Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 158. host Adam R. Harrison and thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everybody's getting the chance to enjoy the holiday season this year. I myself, I love the holidays, the joy and cheer of of being together and spending it together and having Christmas parties with your friends and, you know, getting some time off work to, to spend time with loved ones gorging on the president's choice candy cane fudge crackle ice cream. That stuff should be made illegal. I think I went through two tubs in one week, actually. And yeah, I just uh, I just love what home feels like at the holidays. I don't think we'll be doing anything, you know, spectacular. I don't have any trips planned or anything over the holidays this year. Even anything really planned for New Year's. Uh, we've got the wedding next year and honeymoon, so going to try and save some coin to pay that off. I do definitely plan on seeing the new Avatar movie, like an IMAX, of course, over the holidays. And then, of course, the World Cup wrapping up this weekend, just before Christmas. So even though it's going to be a chill holiday, it's definitely still a lot to look forward to. But before we get there, we still have a couple episodes of the Adamantium podcast to get out there for you guys uh, ahead of the end of season break before we head into season six. And today we've got a super talented Toronto artist on the podcast. His name is Francesco Yates, and I'm sure you've heard a few of his tunes already. Francesco kind of burst into the scene in 2015. He had a killer EP that he released, and he had that mega hit with Robin Schultz. He was touring with some of the biggest names in pop. I mean, we're talking like Justin Timberlake, the Backstreet Boys, Carly Rae Jepsen. And in fact, it blew my mind that we met at the Velvet Underground ahead of his first headlining show. I couldn't believe it. He hadn't played like club venues. He had only done these like arena shows. And so we talk all about it and what he's been up to for the last few years. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to share it with you guys because he is a super, super talented kid. And if you are new to Francesco's music, then we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment. And that's where I recommend five songs that you could check out before or after the interview. And I usually like to kick that off with something new. And Francesco has a new single that came out in the summer. It's called Jimmy and it's super catchy. And then I'm going to recommend a song from 2018 that he released called Do You Think About Me? And then going back to his breakthrough year in 2015 from his debut self-titled EP, I'm going to recommend the song Call and the song Better To Be Loved. And then, of course, you got to know the song Sugar, which was a single he released with Robin Schultz. And that's it. So if you're a Francesco Yates fan, obviously, you know all those songs. If you're tuning in for the very first time today, thank you, first of all, for giving us the time of day. We love having you here as a part of the Adamantium family, and we'd love to have you back again sometime. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the adamantium podcast and we've got one more episode for this year that's scheduled for next week then we'll go into our end of season break and then we'll be back in the new year with the brand new season with brand new interviews and i can't wait to see what next year brings around but for now let's live in the present because we've got francesco yates right here on the adamantium podcast on episode 158 
I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy your week. I hope you enjoyed the World Cup final this weekend or whatever else you have planned. Be good and give someone a smile or a handshake or a high five or a hug out of the holiday spirit. And we will see you back here again next week. Thanks, guys. So uh, we're here with Francesco Yates. Thank right you, uh, thank you for again for for joining me today. Right on, boss. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Here at the Velvet Underground, yep. one of Toronto's legendary venues. So, well, you know what's crazy about it is um, this is actually my first show that I'm doing in like headlining show that I'm doing in like seven years. Really? I've only the weird thing is I've only ever done one other headlining show in Toronto or in in the world. Really? Oh yeah. Where really? it was where it was um or it was my show. So it's uh it's kind of like a you know for all of the stuff that's happened and transpired in my career, it's kind of like it's a new beginning. Yeah, which is kind of cool for you, then. you know. Um, and I just I'm I'm excited to do it. I mean, so it. where was the first one? The first one was at the Mod Club many years ago. Oh, yeah. I think it was in 2015. Yeah, yeah. This also. is back when my hair was taking up the whole... Yeah, the curls. Yeah, taking up the whole screen. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I did the show. Amazing, yeah. man. I mean, nothing to... I mean, it's very cool now getting to do your own, but I mean, you've had some pretty cool experiences. Yeah, man. Up to date, we're going to talk. We're going to talk all about that. Um, I mean, I actually didn't realize at first you're, you're from here. Oh yeah, you're, you're Toronto born. Toronto born. Tell me Toronto about yeah. Tell me about what like what what places. I mean, now you I guess at Velvet Velvet Underground. I was gonna say like what kind of places are launching your career, but I guess I guess this is it. This is it. This yeah. is a very big beginning uh, for me. Because kind of a new of, chapter. Yeah, and just you know after recovering from the pandemic, the two years mm-hmm. took a lot out of musicians, and now of we're course. you know we're trying to um, you know make a. Uh, you know, a guide, a roadmap of the new landscape mm-hmm. that the music industry is gonna is for gonna sure. Be. Yeah. So, what neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in Scarborough. In Scarborough. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Same as the weekend. Yeah. 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 Very cool. He yeah. went to a rival high school. Birchman. Oh, really? I went to Cardinal Newman. He went to Birchmount. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know them both. Yeah. I went to. I'm. I went to Northern Secondary. Oh, nice. nice uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool, man. So, tell me. There's a lot, of, yeah. There's a lot I want to uh, to get to here, um, but tell me, I could hear you warming up down there, and to me, you have like a real kind of genuine singer's vocalist voice. No, and thank you. Do you? Is there a lot that you have to do to warm up, or is there a lot you have to do to protect your voice? Um, well, one little um, thing is I don't like. There are other singers they pull up with their chest voice, I guess. And okay. That's it. The little secret where it's like my voice never gets too tired because I'm able to like kind of rely on my head voicey falsetto type of thing. Okay. So I'm not really straining for long periods of time. Gotcha. Whereas okay. some other singers, if they don't like to use that style of singing, it can be hard to sustain like right. continuous two hour concerts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I do like a basic fifteen minute warm up just to keep everything good, mm-hmm. especially if a room is cold. Right. You know, like that affects how well you're gonna do. Of course. So I just think of little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just a simple warm-up, up and down some scales, just to get everything going mm-hmm. before before I, I hit the stage. And then even between dates, is, do you need to do anything to protect it? or you're? Well, also not really because um, 
I think of another big thing is because because I don't drink, alcohol dries out your voice. Mm. And like you know, some people they like to have a drink and yeah, they yeah. like to do that. Yeah. Or they may like to have a smoke or something like that. I I don't do either, so maybe that also it helps. Yeah. Helps, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Helps the endurance of uh, of things. Very nice, yeah. cool, man. Um, I want to talk about uh, you just released a new single a couple months ago, Jimmy called Jimmy. Yes, <laughs> and. Um, I mean, here you are, this this uh, Toronto-born pop star coming off some massive tours, mm-hmm. and you wrote in a, a song inspired by one of the greatest guitarists yes. of all time. Yeah. So tell me a little bit what was triggering you to, to, to be inspired by, by Jimi Hendrix in the moment that, that you felt like you wanted to write. It's not necessarily a song about him, but a song that's kind of inspired by him. It was, um, it was looking at my Prince post or something caught... The, the, sometimes the lyrics they'll pop into your mm-hmm. head and it's if it's like it almost didn't come from you sometimes yeah just as, as, it just it happens sometimes these things happen and the line I, I'm on the I'm on that Jimi Hendrix I ball way out of Mars I love you like I love my guitar that was like started the whole song so right. like, okay I just had that and then I figured if I could have that starting point mm-hmm. I could evolve a whole thing around that story yeah. and that's that's kind of how that came to be you know? interesting and I noticed there's there's even like little there's little tidbits in the song like and I don't even know if this is on purpose, but like little lines like "Foxy Lady" and "Yeah, you know, I, I, kiss or touch the sky," you know, and it's like kind of little, little nods. Yeah, a little nod to, to, Yeah, yeah. I was I'm always so, open with my homages and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, I'm very. Uh, uh, I I like to I like to show those sorts of things. Yeah, it's a really cool song, and you get a little chance to to like even rip a guitar solo of your own at the end of the song, which is that I think is another thing. I'm like, okay, I don't have many songs with a lot of riffs in them, so mm-hmm. I wanted a song that was riff based, and yeah. I think I, that just after noodling for a little while, that's what I drew out of the out of the air. Now, like, because I mean, correct me, because I'm not a. But in, in pop music, is there a lot of there's not a ton of guitar driven type of music? Or I mean, I guess it's based, I but. guess it's not for any particular reason. It just yeah. all depends on the on the style that you're using. There's not a lot of like distorted riffs and stuff like right. that. It's, it depends, right? It all depends. Yeah. it can it can kind of be anything that you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's basically it's it's about making your own little identity shine was through. guitar something that kind of came later in your career or have you been playing because i think i think i read some of that you've been making music since you were like 11 yeah I started, when did you start to make playing guitar i started playing almost as soon as i could get into it after watching school of rock which kind of oh yeah uh, yeah okay turned the uh, turned the corner for me yeah um I just was like, okay, I have to be all about this. Yeah, and I was always singing. That was that mm-hmm. was one thing I was always doing. I was always singing, and I think something about school of rock was like, okay, now I want to become a musician. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. I think it was just, it seemed so cool. Yeah, and I seen like I saw you do a post too about uh, I think it was like you know there were certain guitar legends that inspired you to play, and already like you did a nod to to Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, and so not only did you learn guitar, you were like you you can tap solo and everything, you know. Like I never even got I never got that far, you know. <laughs> hey, like I I think it was just also I wasn't a cool kid either. I had a lot of time. Like, right, I wasn't, right. Wasn't hanging out with too many friends. I just had a lot of time where I would just be in my parents' basement and mm-hmm. I would be playing the music to myself. Yeah, yeah. That's how I think that's that's how those things came. Practice, about. practice, practice. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool, man. You mentioned like you're pretty open about it too when the Super Bad EP came out. That the, you had a bit of a journey getting to that EP mm-hmm. from the previous one, which was five years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, can you kind of tell us about what what was going on in that journey? I mean, there was a pandemic in there, and 
Well, what what has happened with my career up until this point is, and I think it's it's all about momentum, right? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stops and starts initially early in my career because I got signed when I was 15. You're right. I got yeah. signed when I was 15 in the middle of the Bieber craze. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, the label must have thought, well, maybe we can find some way to make him another prototype. Because I, I, right. I, you know, that's, that's the business label dynamic. Mm-hmm. Once they find something that works, they try to repeat it, maybe right. just with a, with a different color shirt on or something. Like mm-hmm. that. So I fell to that a little bit, and I think once the label and myself were unable to follow that, because mm-hmm. I guess it was, I think it was just I was never going that way. Right. Uh, then sugar came out of nowhere, and they couldn't follow that, mm-hmm. and so that led that was the end of my journey with Atlantic. Then it started again on Warrior Music in Canada, but again, Sugar, because of how, what Sugar did, mm-hmm. and how big it was, they, they were like, well, how do we get it back to that? Right. Which I think is, the, which ties into, you know, me playing the Velvet Underground, um, is because I did big opening slots in arenas for mm-hmm. people like Justin Timberlake and the Backstreet Boys, which is already, like, once I did, I did it once, and Carly Rae too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and so I was like, once I did it once, I was like, okay, well, I'll get, that's nice, that'll never happen again. And then it began to happen over and over yeah, and over right. and over again. Um, you don't say no to opportunities like that abso- either, Absolutely you know? not. And so what I think that did um, is, uh, like, it must have, it, it becomes this thing where um, the people around you, they want to keep it sustained and they want to mm-hmm. keep it at a certain thing. Right. But I think I'm most excited about this show at the Velvet Underground because this sets the foundation because mm-hmm. it's the people are coming to see me. Yeah. It's a different yeah. dynamic when someone's opening for you when you're opening for mm-hmm. someone versus when they're coming to see you. Yeah. So I'm actually quite excited about this. Now do you have you found like you have the show hasn't happened yet and you've been doing warm up, is it different playing this size of room to an arena of like it's, as far as the space, does that does that a do you have to think about that at all, or is it? To me, it's become kind of all of the the same thing. Actually. Right. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't. Like I don't. I guess if I guess if you were playing arenas in a different scenario, if you were playing arenas and you you thought that it would be a step down, maybe that would affect you. I don't see it that way. No. If you put me no, in front no. of a crowd of three people. I'm going to do the same thing of as course. thirty thousand. I don't. Mm-hmm. I never saw a difference that way. It never tripped me out. In fact, this, pro- this probably makes me more nervous because people pay attention. To I was going to say there's more. almost more like I, I almost meant that more as like in an arena. You almost like you, you almost don't need lot. to worry about who's sitting in front, you know, or whatever. Here yeah. you're going to see everybody's face. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's like, right. So it makes it a bit yeah. of a different experience. Yeah. But then it's also a little more close. Intimate. You know? Yeah. Of course. So. Um, I mean, I read somewhere that you mentioned like now you're kind of getting to do what you've always in, always wanted to do. Yes. And um, what's kind of like what's what's the plan going forward? So you've got this Velvet Underground show. What's what's next? Do you are you kind of wanting to do a tour across Canada or across the U.S. to kind of be face to face with your fans? Or? Well, given the pandemic, I'm starting from almost zero, like all of the, all of the rest of the artists. So right. I think it's just going to be about working. You know, yeah. putting in some putting in some work and and also having fun while you're doing it. But of course. Putting in some work and. To let you know, I have to let the music take me where I'm gonna go. Yeah, you know, we'll have to. We'll see where it all, where it all. Yeah, be what all becomes of it. Yeah. So tell me about like we've talked about what's what's going on now, but tell me we slightly mentioned it. Taking back to the beginning, you've you know like you said you've been making music since you were 11. You got signed at 15. I think like Pharrell Williams co-produced your first EP. Yes. You know where does like. Tell me about your household growing up. Like were your parents musical? What? How did? Where did your first love for music come from? I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you. I was always drawn to it ever since mm-hmm. I was a little kid. 
uh, more so than other things. I think my parents had a big music library. It was diverse all over gotcha. the place. Okay. So that probably contributed to why mm-hmm. the styles uh, like to be a little bit adventurous with the stuff that I do. It's actually mm-hmm. been a bit of work trying to, uh, you know, uh, curate. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like curating things, but you know, initially I started off with a diverse palette because when I was the, the the stuff that my dad was playing in the car when I was a baby was TLC. He has four slots of the CD. He still has the thing yeah, yeah. Of, of the old thing he had in his car. It was TLC, D'Angelo, uh, Brand Van 3000. <laughs> Brand Van yeah. 3000. And uh, I think it was uh, Led Zeppelin or something like right. that. So, so those all like different all slots all of things. Yeah. It was all over the map. And so that's kind of what... That can definitely contribute. Brand Van 3000, that's a real timestamp right there. I can't. (laughs) I was like, what is Brand Van 3000? Drinking in LA? That's it. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I think we were probably a few years apart, but when I was growing up, there was uh, Much Music used to release these compilation albums every year called Big Shiny Tunes. Yep. And there was one year, when I I was in elementary school at the time, there was one year, Big Shiny Tunes 2. Yeah, everybody owned Big Shiny Tunes too. Yeah, it was like a staple of growing up right. in the, the late '90s. And drinking in LA by Brand Van Three Thousand was on Big Shiny Tunes too. And that's what a <laughs> what a what a wild one! I discovered yeah. it so many years later. <laughs> right, right. Dug into it. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, um, so then, how, how did you? When did you realize? You know, I can really. You know, this is what I what I want to do, and this I can really make something of this talent I have. Um, I think that I went to I went to an Elton John concert with my mom. And was I that said, your first concert? My first concert, I think, was the Eagles. Oh, also phenomenal. When Glenn Frey was was still alive. Yeah. You know? um, and I think, I, and I just turned to my mom, and I'm like, I, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna play this very place. And, you know, yeah. my mom, she's like, well, so it's okay if you don't. And yeah. I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm going to play this very place. Um, I even surprised myself with that one. Right. Um, because so where, did you, where was the Elton John uh, show? Uh, Scotiabank Arena. Scotiabank Arena, And yeah. I was just like, man, this is wild. Yeah. I, you know, when I, um, when I came back, I was, as I was lucky enough to play it a couple times, I was like, this is just this. It's yeah. Bad, man. You know, was your so, mom there when you... Yes, she was. Yeah, yeah. So the you know you can you can with a with the right amount of resolve do things that will surprise you. Mm-hmm. You know um, that's another thing as an artist. Anytime you get down on yourself, I'm like, well, you see that this this resolve works. Yeah. If you do apply it yourself yeah. properly, but it takes a whole lot of effort. Yeah. It's just a lot of effort that I think that. It leads into like what you know when you see artists that may not have a very long shelf life. It's because a lot. It's a lot of effort to just keep sustaining mm-hmm. it to yeah. be an artist. It's just a hundred percent a full time job. Mm-hmm. Everything must be about it, and I think yeah. that's what that's how I always was. Yeah, you know. So I think that contributed a little bit. Yeah, amazing. Um, and I think now too, like I mean, it's it's almost a double edged sword. Like it's 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 fantastic now. We have tools like SoundCloud where. Mm-hmm. You know, you can record a song in your basement and send it out to the world, and everyone can find it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there is that there is an endless catalog of talented musicians and stuff. So, like you said, in order to keep yourself relevant and and, and out there, but um, I mean, obviously done an incredible job. I wanted to ask you about, you know, like you said, you've done these 
mega tours with Justin Timberlake, Backstreet Boys. What were you able to take from them? You know, like those, these are obviously guys who have been and seen it all in the industry. What, you know, what were you able to learn from them or the experience on being on tour with them? Attention to detail. Yeah. Every little thing matters with those guys. Yes. Yeah. Especially I saw that with Justin Timberlake. Uh, you know, I was able to get, uh, I was able to have a couple conversations with him and, and uh, you know, just pick his brain on certain things and, you know, they, they, these guys are they're, they're like Jedi's they master the art of looking as if they're not really trying too okay. hard yeah. but their minds are very much they know exactly what's going mm-hmm. on you know so that's a tough that's that to learn to balance that of you have to kind of keep your composure when all these mm-hmm. sorts of technical things may be going wrong mm-hmm. and how to resolve them and not look like you're, you're losing your mind that's the Jedi stuff that yeah. I picked up on like I saw how he moves I saw mm-hmm. how he navigates this thing that 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 is the the, the fame aspect right yeah um and it takes some mental mental math to of do course, it of course yeah. yeah you got your work cut out for you mm-hmm. absolutely was there anything that's like anything else that surprised you about you know hanging with these guys from a day-to-day basis did it kind of like bring it down like imagine at first were you, you know were you overwhelmed being being in a room with with these guys that you probably looked up to I guess yes and no. Okay. It was both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd catch myself and be like, yeah, that's good old JT, and he's eating and catering. And I'm like, right. that's JT, and he's eating and catering. Yeah. So it was ha- probably both at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes those things are so big, you don't really even know what's happening until, uh, until it's After over. it's happened. Yeah. yeah, until it's over, right? And yeah. so that hit everyone. That's an interesting tour phenomenon. When you go and you're, you're doing this stuff, mm-hmm. you don't realize how it's affecting your brain. Yeah. You'll come off, a, off of a high, and then you'll be back home. Your mind is still caught in yeah. the pattern of, of, of getting the, the hits, uh, the, yeah. the dopamine hits. So if you you know, it's all about managing it. Yeah. How did you, especially like going in, coming off what JT was or JT was in twenty nineteen, yeah. going into the pandemic, where now you're stuck at home. Was that a you know did that take some management, some you know? I think it's it would, well. I have a good family. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my mom and my dad are good people and. Uh, think with the family and the close network of good friends mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of friends but you need good friends mm-hmm. I think that helped me a lot actually mm-hmm. on the come down because yes, I don't know yeah. how many people would do so well because I guess it works like you go and you do these things and you're used to the adrenaline shots of going on stage mm-hmm. but then when it's over you you, you want to keep the party going that's how they get you yeah you want to keep the party going and then you start going okay maybe I have to throw parties which is close to like a stage right maybe I got to do drugs which is close to a stage right. that's how this stuff spiraled I, yeah. I think yeah again yeah. I don't know another person's experience in right life, but I if I had to guess I would think that's how it starts mm-hmm. that very first instance where you feel whatever it is i call it the bug once that once the bug bites you how you handle it determines your fate. right i mean i've heard things like like tommy lee throws djs all night after after he does a show he dj and it's like because he's just trying to keep that adrenaline well yeah because it's such a good feeling you don't want it to stop right of course and so that becomes the mission yeah it's going to stop yeah and how do you handle yourself when it does yeah that's the test of whatever it is yeah interesting something just started now that's it that's it next time we could provide some nice little soundtrack to our ambiance a little ambiance yeah there was something you mentioned I wanted to go back to you said there's moments that you don't realize they're the moments until after they've happened you yeah. you recently posted a throwback to a time you met Sir Paul McCartney oh, yeah. that must have been one of those occasions for you he was probably one of the nicest people I've ever met in the entirety of this yeah, business yeah. like he, he hasn't like you can tell 
I guess because he is a beetle and he's so you know he mm-hmm. is exactly who he is. He, yeah. He is completely normal, man. Like he's yeah. completely normal. I had a conversation with him. I was lucky enough to have a conversation mm-hmm. with him for just like a half an hour about music and what it means. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's just music after all. Mm-hmm. We get so caught up in this this kind of non-human thinking of mm-hmm. it's analytics it's a business and you got to have your brand and your angle mm-hmm. and it's like man these guys never thought about no brand, no man. they just went and they did their thing mm-hmm. a lot of times the doubt and that type of thinking i think can lead to to something not very good mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of artists and they'll be like i got my little shtick together and this is my brand and my demographic and you'll have billy eilish going i'll see you in the party yeah they don't yeah. think about any of that stuff right and it shows yeah um, that's and it's a hard thing to do because there's so much of that talk going on now in our industry yeah so that's the thing you gotta hold on to mm-hmm. hold on to that organic um, approach to things mm-hmm. you know what I mean as much as it's good to be methodical I just don't think we as human beings are robotic enough yet we're not integrated into right. technology mm-hmm. yet enough to, to pull that off yeah you know so be a person right, right. you um, you mentioned of course the the sugar um, the massive hit that was Sugar and the collaboration you did with Robin Schultz. Now you're obviously focused on your, you know, getting your, what you want out there. If, do you have any dream collaborations? Like, you know, if the opportunity comes, I would love to work with this person or this person. Kate Chernata's good. Okay. Kate Chernata's good. Um, obviously the weekend is really good. Um, something can, like, uh, I would, I could, I would do a song with Kendrick. Mm. Kendrick Lamar because I, I have a whole folder yeah I got a whole folder with both his and Dua Lipa's name on it yeah um, a funny story at one time there the label wanted me to meet Dua Lipa but I was in track pants and a man bun at the time yeah and I had just gone out from running and they're like yeah let's meet let's meet Dua Lipa I'm like you guys didn't think this through did yeah. you because uh, even Dua Lipa was looking at me like where did you come from yeah, and yeah. I'm like look don't worry about it right? yeah <laughs> So I was. I always. I always tell the story. I'm like, man. Uh, Dua Lipa saw me like I went through a hurricane. <laughs> it was one of those. It was yeah, yeah. Those. But no, she was. She was nice. But um, yeah, I mean, she's got that golden touch right now too. It's like just yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, she said she's putting out an album where it's something totally different than right. what she's been doing. But I feel like that would be a good. That would be a good little collaboration. I'm, I'm happy. happy. It'd be great. So you could almost write a song about the time you first met. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think um, Tesco in his in his in his running tracks. I know. Oh, it was like one of those vintage Nike. Oh, it was terrible. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just think getting into production. I um, I think that also kind of saved me in a way. That's what I would say to people mm-hmm. if they do want to do music. You learn your way to produce around these things. They're mm-hmm. very intuitive. It's not totally mm-hmm. rocket science like you can figure this stuff out and spare yourself a lot mm-hmm. and you can put it out into the world and there's no barrier in I mean you mentioned already look at Billie Eilish I mean, her, no her brother built an album in their basement yeah you know I think it was before you needed a million dollars to yeah, go to the yeah. studio and do all of this stuff now you don't need any of that anymore mm-hmm. and it can resonate and it can yeah. really work yeah so that's my that would be my thing learn to produce it will save your life really yeah interesting well I mean uh, thank you so much for, for taking some time to do our podcast today. No worries at and, all. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, you know all the best tonight and, uh, and going forward. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.